IPS Essentials with Dr. Claire Rin. In this weekly podcast, Claire reveals how to support people with mental health problems into work using the individual placement and support model. Tune in for top tips, tools, and advice to keep your employment coaching skills up to date. The number one resource for IPS practitioners in the UK. topic which is sometimes debated in IPS is whether the employment specialist or the client should make contact with the employer. This is what I'm going to be talking about in today's podcast. So who should contact the employer? Should it be the client or should it be the employment specialist? What we're talking about here is contacting employers to discuss potential job opportunities. Now, some people will argue that it should always be the employment specialist. That's the uh, you know really important thing about an employment specialist role is that they've got the skills to contact employers and to really engage with them and to find out about job opportunities and promote their clients. Um, on the client's behalf. And that's a really key part of the role. So some people will say, oh, it should always be the employment specialist that that does that uh, particular thing. Other people will argue that it should be the client, that the client should be, we should be encouraging our clients to contact the employer, that we shouldn't be doing it for them, that really, if we are doing all this for our clients, we're not giving them the opportunity to gain these skills. And I think both of those are really valid arguments. Um, And let's just break this down a little bit more. So if we were to say that our clients should be the ones making all the employer contacts, they're the ones calling employers, emailing employers, meeting with employers to find out about potential job opportunities. If if, If we give our clients that full responsibility... This could be a really good thing for many clients. So um, some clients might have never done this before. So we're giving them them the opportunity to develop these skills, to develop confidence in talking to employers. And if you think about, you know, demonstrating their skills to employers, well, what better way to do it than actually talking to the employers themselves? Um, you know, they, they might be, in many cases, the, the best person to promote their skills by, you know, talking to the, the employer themselves. So um, in many ways, it can be a really good thing for clients. Um, I think another really important point is that it reduces their dependency on the employment specialist. So as an employment specialist, if you do everything for your client, they're going to be really dependent on you. So you might support them to get a job and it goes really well. And, you know, they might then be discharged from the mental health team and you no longer have contact with them, let's say. And then in a year's time, let's say they lose that job for whatever reason. Maybe they're made redundant or maybe the job just doesn't work out and they they leave that job, and then they need to find another job. And they might go, ah, okay, hmm, the last job I got, 
my employment specialist got that job for me. The employment specialist spoke to the employer on my behalf. Hmm, I'm not quite sure how to do that on my own. Oh, I don't have an employment specialist anymore because I'm no longer part of the mental health team. Oh, what do I do? So they might be a bit stuck. So there is that danger that if they are um, too dependent on the employment specialist, we're not really equipping them with the skills that they need to find work in the future. Because ultimately, you know, we don't want our clients to be dependent on us, do we? We don't want them to be in our services forever. We want them to become independent and to find work and to move on um, and not have to come back to our service in the future unless they really, really need it. So there's a lot to be said for actually for the client to be contacting the employer. Um, I think there are huge benefits there. And I would definitely recommend it. I would say, yeah, I think if you have the time and the resources to do so, then then do it. it it's really it's really valuable if you can spend the time to help your client um, develop their skills and their confidence in talking to employers, then you should do so because there are huge benefits there. But there are some clients who will never quite get to that point where they are confident enough to go out there and talk to an employer. And I think, I think you know, if you've, you've got a client caseload, you could probably, thinking about your clients right now, there's probably one or two clients on that case that you're thinking, yeah, actually, I can't see them. Um, regardless of the amount of kind of coaching I do with them, I can't see them actually getting to be that confident very quickly. I mean, it might take a long time for them to become confident in talking to an employer because there could be all sorts of things going on, but it, it just could be really very, very stressful for them. Um, that they're just not confident in talking to new people. And actually, um, talking to an employer could be so stressful for them, or they could just be not very good at it. <laughs> they could be actually, you know, they, they go and speak to an employer, and actually, they really clam up, they don't know what to say. Maybe they're just not very good at promoting themselves, you know, and actually, that, that could all kind of go wrong, couldn't it? <laughs> they could go and speak to an employer and actually do more damage than good. So what do we do in those situations where we've got clients who we think, oh no, actually, I don't, I can't see them being able to talk to an employer. Um, and I think this is where we've got to be realistic. We've got to be realistic around, okay, what could our clients do really well? And what sorts of things do our clients need support with? And this is one of the things where many clients do need our support because we, what we don't want to do is take over and do everything for our clients. However, when it comes to talking to employers, we have got the skills and the confidence to talk to employers. We talk to employers every day. So we can do this quite easily. Um, so it's not to, we're not doing everything for our clients, but we might, in some situations, suggest to our clients, look, actually, how about we talk to the employer on your behalf? Um, because we can just have that conversation very quickly, find out if there's any job opportunities, and it could really help. Um, because let's face it, if there are some clients there that you think actually that, you know, it's going to be so hard for them to learn how to talk to an employer, it's going to take so many months 
then all that time they're still unemployed, aren't they? It's, you know, you might be doing lots of coaching and training with them to try and help to improve their confidence, which is really good, you know, could be really good for them in the long run. But actually all the while they're still unemployed, they're still not working and this is delaying their return to the job market. So sometimes you will have to have that conversation around, okay, what's going to be best for you here? Because ultimately the goal is to get into work, isn't it? You don't want to be sitting there for months on end, um, you know, doing lots and lots of coaching, but actually not moving into work at all. So it's quite tricky, I think, sometimes to figure out what the right thing is to do. Now, I've got some questions here that I want you to think about because there's... I think some questions you need to ask yourself that will help you to decide whether it should be the client or the employment specialist contacting the employer. The first question, and this comes up a lot, um, and I think it's, well, I was going to say it's quite straightforward, maybe it's not, but (laughs) the first one is, does the client actually want to disclose their mental illness to an employer? Because that, in some ways, will dictate whether it should be the client or the employment specialist making the contact. Now, if the client is happy for their um, mental health uh, condition to be disclosed to an employer, then it's absolutely fine then. Um, if they're given permission for you to do that, then you can talk to an employer on their behalf um, and, you know, you'll have a discussion with the client around how much is going to be disclosed, what exactly is going to be disclosed. But um, they're happy for you to do that. Now, if the client says they don't want the employer to know anything about their mental illness, um, anything about their condition at all, they don't want to disclose to the employer, then that makes it quite tricky for an employment specialist to make contact with an employer. Because, um, I mean, you can make generic contacts with an employer. So you could, um, you know, contact an employer to find out, you know, hypothetically, are there any opportunities in this organisation? But what you can't do is promote your client to that employer because the employer will then know that that client um, is part of a mental health team. Because they'll find out, you know, no matter what you say or what you do, they'll find out that you are linked to a mental health team. They'll put two and two together and they'll go, oh, does this person have mental illness? And then you're in a situation there where you, you know, obviously you don't want to be lying to an employer. It's a very tricky situation. So in some ways, the decision is made for you. If the client doesn't want to disclose the mental illness to an employer, they might have to be making the employer contacts themselves. It might be that the employment specialist really is not going to be able to uh, speak to employers on their behalf. In some cases, not all, not all. I think, as I said, you know, you can still make generic contacts to employers. The second question to think about is, is the client motivated and reliable? Because if you are going to be making employer contacts on the client's behalf I mean you don't want to be contacting employers where the client is not really that motivated and they might let you down because you know it takes time to make these to to form these relationships with employers you know you're going to go in on a few occasions and meet with the employer and find out about what their needs are in their business and develop that really good rapport that good relationship with them and then you get to the point where 
you say, well, look, I've got, I've got really great clients who I can recommend to you for your business. So, you know, could you take them on on a work trial and, you know, see how they get on and stuff. And, you know, and they go, oh, yeah, sure, because you've built this really good relationship with them. And then your client goes in and, oh, doesn't. <laughs> your client doesn't turn up. Or your client, you know, goes in and does an hour and then leaves. Um, I mean, we have clients, don't we, all the time who get nervous or, you know, something happens and they can't attend. But actually, that's no fault of their own. You know, they're generally quite reliable, but, you know, th- there's a difficulty that particular day or something. That's I'm not talking about that sort of thing. I'm sort of talking about the sorts of clients who repeatedly don't do what they say they're going to do. So they don't turn up for appointments. They don't turn up for interviews and stuff. Now, um, I'm not saying you can't help those people because, of course, all of our clients need our support. But that those clients that are perhaps not as motivated, perhaps not as reliable, just think carefully about whether you want to be making the employer contact on the client's behalf. Because if the client lets you down that does reflect on you then as an employment specialist and your service. And it means then that that might impact on future contacts that you might have with that employer, okay? So it's just something to bear in mind, something to bear in mind. These are just questions to ask yourself to help you think about whether it should be the client or you making the contact. Um, The third question is about whether the client can communicate with confidence. And we've just talked about this a bit earlier. Um, But if the client really can't communicate confidently with with the employer, then I think it really should be the employment specialist doing it on the client's behalf and um, but if they are really confident they're really good at communicating they're really confident in you know speaking to employers on the phone or face to face then you know get them to do it because why not why not if they're able to do it i think they really should be encouraged to do so and then the final question is does the client have connections in the industry because if they do have connections within the industry they want to work in then actually it might be better for them, <coughs> apologies, sorry, um, for them to make the contacts rather than you, because you might not have any contacts there. It might be that they're trying to get back into an industry that they worked in before, or maybe they've got friends in the industry. And so therefore, you know, even if they're not the most confident person in the world, it might be that their connections get them further than you might get just not having any connections in that industry at all. So again, it's a conversation to be had with the client to decide whether it should be you or whether it should be the the client contacting the employer um, about a potential job opportunity. So those are just some questions for you to think through. I think there is no easy answer to this. There's no sort of yes or no. I think the best thing to do is have a conversation with your client and be open and honest about the situation and say, look, you know, it's a really good way of getting job opportunities, you know, by talking to employers, but who should do it? Should it be the client? Should it be you? Should it be both of you? Perhaps you both contact them together. Should you do a bit each? Should there be some employers that they contact, some employers that you contact? Um, So have a conversation around it and talk about the pros and cons of each 
and then you can decide on the best course of action. What I would say is, whichever course of action you take, remember that your ultimate goal here is to help your client get a job. So it's whatever is going to help them get a job as soon as possible. So in some ways, that means what, what's going to get, get them a job quickly. So, you know, what, what's going to be the fastest route to employment, okay? But I also want you to think about the client's development long term as well. So as I mentioned just before, if we're doing everything for our clients and not letting them do this, then they are then losing out on the opportunity to develop skills and knowledge that could help them in the future in the rest of their career. So I think, you know, just bear that in mind. It's around trying to find work as quickly as possible, but also giving them the opportunity to do things themselves so they become more independent and they're not dependent on you or your service in the future. Okay, I hope that helps and I look forward to seeing you at the next podcast. Bye. Tune in next week for more IPS Essentials or find out more at careerology.org.